0: You're listening to Life and Leadership, a podcast designed to connect life and leadership today so that you can flourish tomorrow. And now your host, Daniel Kitchell. Welcome everyone to Life and Leadership. This is Pastor Daniel. I want to thank you so much for being with me today, where it's going to be my joy to help you lead with love so you will love to lead. The best place to check this show out is at DanielKitchell.com. There you can find all the previous episodes that we have as well as read show notes and check out links to books and articles. You'll find that very helpful. One of the greatest things about the website too, is that you can look at the transcript of every show and you can read along or print it off for yourself to check out specific things that were said. And I know a lot of people find that really helpful to be able to read what we've talked about. The show is also located on every single major platform, Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Google, Stitcher, Player FM. If you want to find this show in any of those places, it is there for you. Please share it out on your social media pages, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. That is where we're really getting some traction. And speaking of traction, this past week, we hit 3000 downloads on this show. And for that, I am just overwhelmed with joy and humbled that we are able to be a part of that many people's lives. And so thank you, for being a part of what this show is about. Well, as we always want to do with every show, it's time for a question, but it's a little bit different today. I want you to think about it like this. Sometimes we have to consider what questions we ask of other people. So maybe my question for you is this, are you good at asking the right questions? Recently, I heard... On another podcast, and in a book that I was reading as well, that we need to stop asking people, What's wrong with you? and instead start asking them, What happened to you? See how much different that question hits? Instead of saying, What's wrong with you? instead, we ask someone, What happened to you? That little turn of the dial could really change our relationships with other people, even our kids, our friendships, our marriages. Not what is wrong with you or anything that sounds condescending or assuming that someone is messed up or they're broken, but asking them how they got to the point that they are now. What happened to you? So maybe in this week and, and going forward, as you have conversations with people, maybe you'll just adjust your question a little bit to sound more compassionate and more caring. And I think when we ask questions the right way, ultimately, here's what it does it makes us a better listener. Well, as listeners today, we are in for a great blessing. Just a few weeks ago, my path was crossed with a young lady named Shannon Monet. Shannon lives in Michigan, and I live in Oklahoma, but God wanted us to connect, and so He made it all happen, and I'm so thankful that He did. Shannon is 15 years old, which makes her the youngest guest that I've ever had on this show, and she will likely hold that record for quite some time. But it's not every day. That you get to sit down and talk to a 15-year-old that can articulate what it's like to be them in this world today. Shannon wants to bring light into the darkness. And the reason she wants to do that is because she has been in the darkness herself. She will take us into her childhood, into some of the deepest, most lonely moments that she's ever faced. Her story is, is unique to her, but it's not uncommon for adolescents and teens to feel All the things that Shannon felt, loneliness, depression, hopelessness. Shannon herself was even to the brink of believing that her life was not worth living. Suicidal thoughts and ideas began to creep in upon her. But with the love of God and the love of her family, she was pulled back. And because of her experience, she never wants anyone to go through the same thing that she did. And so her heart and her life is devoted to spreading the love of God and self-worth and hope to everyone around her, especially teenagers. And so one of our biggest hopes from this show is that, yeah, parents will listen, pastors will listen, coaches will listen, but maybe this just needs to be placed in the hands and the hearts of a young man or a young woman that needs to hear what Shannon has to say. Shannon's passion is shown through social media, through other podcasts that she's been on. She has a YouTube channel where she posts videos and encouraging scriptures and just the truth for people to hear and see. Shannon has a gift of spoken word and being able to clearly state how she's feeling and what she's gone through. One of her most popular videos on our YouTube channel, it's called The Outcast. Here's the audio of that clip
1: the throwaways the rejected the bullied the unlovable the depressed the suicidal even the ones who suffer in secret this is a piece of my story this was a part of my development five years ago in school i was rejected i was an outcast i had something in me that other kids didn't have i was different and i resented that about myself I tried and tried to change who I was, and it seemed as whatever I did, I still couldn't blend in. They could see through me like a mirror. I squeezed myself into a box that I wasn't created to fit in. By saying and doing things that they did, they still could see the light that I was trying to hide. I wanted to blend in with the darkness because I wanted to feel wanted, included, accepted, as if I belonged. I wanted their approval. I was alone and hurt and masked my emotions to make it seem like everything was fine, when I wasn't. I was often stabbed in the back, talked about by some who I thought were friends. I was the kid who ate alone, walked alone, talked alone, sat alone. I was at a point where, even in a room full of people, I still felt alone. I felt deserted. I was crying out from the inside and no one knew. I searched and searched for ways to fill that missing void inside my heart, looking towards the wrong resources. And music was one of them. I listened to a lot of secular music, from R&B to pop songs. Any song that came out, I was listening to it. Music became my best friend. And I was unaware of what doorways I was opening up to my spiritual man. I listened to depressing and lonely artists because they could relate to the pain I was going through. Not realizing, the more and more I was letting the songs release into my spirit, the more lonely and depressed I felt. Behind most of the songs in the secular music industry, there was a spirit behind it, including gospel artists. Be aware of what you allow into your ear gates. It's more than just a song. I never realized this until I found the source. In the midst of my pain and hurt, he had to show me who I was in him and not of this world. He had to reveal to me that he is with me and is still with me through it all. He never left me nor forsaken me and he will do the same for you. He is a friend like no other. He will stick with you through the hardest and trying times and even in your best times. My message to you is, why listen to someone who didn't create you? They don't have the right to label you. Only your creator does. And he calls you chosen. He calls you loved and much more. You belong and are welcome into his kingdom. His name is Jesus and he desires for you to be you. Be who he has called you to be. Be bold, be courageous, be radical. People will hate on and talk about you regardless whether you do good or bad. Don't blend in with the darkness, shine your light. If you spend your time trying to please people, it's always going to be someone who is unhappy about how you dress, how you talk, how you look. Focus on pleasing God because he's the only one that matters. No one else.
0: Shannon, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me tonight.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Right, It's an honor and a blessing to have our paths crossed. And uh, I'm going to take a lot of different directions with you tonight because our audience is very... um, um, it's vast and, and just different people that listen, coaches, parents, teenagers, um, moms, dads, pastors, our, our audience is wide. And so uh, it's not every single day that you get to talk to a 15-year-old <laughs> that has as much purpose and as focus as you do. And so I really want to take it all in. Okay. And I want everybody that's uh, yeah, absolutely everybody that's listening to to just let you talk and and let us hear your perspective and your story. And again, so thanks for being here. Um, I come at this with a little bit of perspective too, as a dad because I have a daughter that's 14, and so when I'm talking to you as a 15 year old Shannon, it's I'm gonna have that on my heart too, and I hope that's okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I I'm you know the the dad thing as a stepdad, it's kind of new to me, and so. Uh, especially raising a teenage girl, I, I just want to again just kind of peel back some layers with you and really try to to understand uh, where you're at and what God has brought you through and and where your life is, where your purpose is now. So, where I want to go to, you know, first and foremost with you is you. You talk about this moment in your life where you did not feel that life was worth living. There was a sense of hopelessness that you didn't want to go on, and you. You even pinpoint that date in some interviews I've heard um, you give already of July 18th, 2018. And what I want you to do for our audience tonight is just to take us to that that place and allow us to know what was going on in that moment. And I think that'll be a great starting point for us so we can really cover many things with you.
1: Well, I was tired of how I looked and I grew very insecure and I felt invisible mm-hmm unheard and unseen. And the thoughts in my head got louder each day due to bullying. And I never told Mm. anyone how I felt, not even my parents. I kept the pain bottled up inside. Only God knew. I was crying in bed that night, very silently, so no one could hear me. And I Mm. started to doubt God. I was crying inside, and I was questioning if he was even real. Even though I talked to him on a daily basis and I was raised in the church, I wanted to know for myself. And not only that, but I wanted to know why he created me differently than other kids my age. I never wanted to stand out from the crowd. I wanted to be like everyone else. But as I was crying, I recall my mother being in another room. She was just folding clothes, doing mother stuff. And I ended up hearing footsteps and she came in my room. Mm. So I made sure I dried my tears and got myself together so she wouldn't know that I was crying. But she came over to me and started praying for me. And as she was praying for me, God Mm. ended up showing her a vision of me sitting alone at the lunch table. Mind you, I never told her anything about what was going on at school. I made sure of it. But as soon as she mentioned that she saw me alone at the lunch table, I started bawling out crying. And I told her everything that I'd been through. And right at that moment, that's when I knew there was a God who sees me. There was a God who heard my cry. And when I thought no one knew, when I thought that no one was listening, he was listening to me the whole time. He felt my pain, and he collected every tear from my eye. And he showed me that I had purpose, that I was beautiful, that I was loved. And he just revealed so much to me that night. And if my mother wasn't open to hear God that night, I don't know where I would have been. I probably would have ended my life that night.
0: Wow, that's a that's a pretty serious moment for a girl your age. And you were at what age at that that night?
1: Well, that night I was eleven, I believe. Eleven. Yes,
0: eleven years old, and you feel like that your life is not worth living. You you mentioned that you had been the subject of of bullying. Yes, and I know that's something that you're really, really passionate about, stopping and and being vocal about that. And what did the bullying look like for you? And I think this started around, you were nine years old, you said before. But what did that yes. look like for you? Was it name-calling? Was it physical? Talk to us about that.
1: It was, it was name-calling. And I was the only black kid in my class. And it wasn't only my mm. skin and my outer appearance that really made me different. But I was unique—the way I dressed differently, and my thought patterns weren't of the average nine or ten-year-old—and I was instantly rejected for that. So they made fun of wow. like my clothes, like "Why are you dressed like this?" And then, or they might just be whispering about me, and I end up hearing them. So it was mm. very tough.
0: One one of the things that I heard you say that I think is really important to address with you is that. You gave people permission to label you, and maybe I, I, I don't want to misquote that, but I, I feel like that's something you've, you've said, that you allowed people to have that type of influence upon your emotional well-being. Is that—is that an accurate statement?
1: Yes, it's true. I allowed them to throw darts at me like a target, so every word that yeah. they said about me, I accepted it. They kept throwing the negative mm. negativity towards me, and I took it to heart, and I started to believe it myself.
0: Well, I I would say, you know, I I've told you this. I was a school teacher for eleven years, and I can assure you that kids can be cruel.
1: They can, and
0: I mean, I have seen and yeah, I have seen and heard and watched some of the most cruel things said to other teenagers. I taught sixth grade, eighth grade, ninth grade in my time as a teacher, and I saw it all. And so there is a spirit uh, certainly of cruelty out there. It is. And so those words, yeah, absolutely. And so some of those words that um, these classmates and people that you're in school with are saying to you, um, were they things that when you heard them, they just, you, you replay them in your mind over and over again you internalize them or did you begin to actually believe them
1: I believed everything that they said and I also even had dreams about what they did to me and I just started to, it just started to play in my mind and I'm like okay right. they're right everything they said about me they are right and it just start I just started to believe it because words do carry power and I'm like okay mm. I am everything that they said I am
0: and so you were internalizing all of this, and you're taking it in. I know you already mentioned that you 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 didn't tell your parents about how you were feeling and right all the emotional pain that you were having. Is there is there any particular reason that you withheld your feelings from your mom and your dad?
1: Yes, I could tell my mother anything honestly, but then I was like. I don't want to tell her this because I didn't want to hurt her. I didn't want her to feel sad about was what I was going through at school, yeah. and I didn't want to put a burden on her. You know, I didn't want to give that to my parent and be like, okay, well, I'm going through this at school and that. You know, like I don't, I don't want to tell right. her. I'm going to keep it to myself and I want to keep it bottled up inside.
0: That that's an incredible moment that you walked us through to think about your mom's footsteps coming down the hall and her coming in the room praying for you. That just shows you know, God's love, deep love for us. And I'm so glad that you shared that with us because that's a powerful moment and reminder in your, uh, in your life of, of how he uses other people to, to guide and direct us and to show us his love. And, you know, taking, taking us back to that moment in time, was it instant for you when you, this worth, this idea that you didn't want to live anymore, that you didn't think life was really, um. You know, you just want to go, you didn't want to go on. Was it instant for you in that night or was it a process? Do you feel like God changed your heart in that moment or did it take time? Was it a journey for you?
1: Well, He changed my heart in that moment, but at the same time, it's still a process. But I accept myself more and I actually am more confident in myself and who I am now. But I can say it did take time. Like I had to build myself right back yeah. up with affirmations and reading the Bible and reading his word and uplifting myself again. So it did take some time.
0: And, and just a question that it might be kind of hard to answer. Had you, had you confided in anybody at all about how you were feeling a friend? Did you tell anybody at school about how the dark place that you were in, or is it all kept to yourself?
1: I kept it all to myself because I really didn't have anyone to talk to, and then the friends mm. I did have, they end up backstabbing me. So I really couldn't trust anyone. So I had to really keep it sure. inside and just tell God, because that's about it. He's all I had.
0: Well, and and I I know that you know prior to these incidents happening, it's happening at school with you and you feeling the weight of people making fun of you and labeling you and stereotyping you. You had had an incredible confidence as a young girl. Is that correct?
1: Yes, they did. My mother, she always built me up for to have a thick skin and to be strong and to love myself and not to let things root. Like if somebody told me something negative, she always told me to shake it off and let it go. And that's a lesson I mm. forever held on to because it's so important.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so when you, you, you're raised in this... Culture of confidence with your with your with your family. Um, You you have some. um, You're articulate. You're not afraid to get in front of people and sing. Um, (laughs) So when you started having these feelings of you know that at this new school, this new environment you're in, were, were they surprising to you? Were you shocked by it because of your upbringing?
1: Yes, I was. And even though like I was raised to be confident in everything, I it's like I forgot all about it and at that moment mm. i didn't know what to do i'm like okay all these kids are telling me different things and i don't know what to do anymore and it just really mm. it was it overtook me i wasn't the same right. anymore
0: well and it, and it just it's it's a, worth noting that someone that's you know like yourself that's being raised to 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 believe in themselves and to trust god and know their worth and their value it, it just it really we should pay attention to the fact that not every kid's getting that at home. Right. And so if you couple that with bullying or any type of emotional harm that's happening along with a, a, a rough home life, I mean, you're really getting into some dangerous things.
1: Exactly. And,
0: and as a teacher, I, I've, yeah, I, as a teacher, I've seen that. So thank God your parents were and your family they were pouring those things into you um, as a young person. Cause like you said, you would you just don't know what would have happened if you didn't have that type of support um, exactly. at home, as a pastor and as a leader, as a teacher. I, I've seen, um, even in my own family, Shannon. I've seen suicide really take a toll. Um, when I was my la- one of my last teaching jobs, I had we we had a three different students that took their own lives in the matter of like four months in our school. Wow. And two of those students were, were actually my students. Um, We, my family's walked through this in a very personal way, just a few years back. Um, And what's, what's really remarkable is that it doesn't take very long uh, when we look around us to, to see the impact of someone um, committing suicide. And, right. and in fact, the statistics tell us that, you know, on any given day in the United States, that we're going to have 130 people that are going to take their own life. Wow. On any given day. Um, and in addition to that, that's not even counting the people that just attempt it. Exactly. Those are the people that actually do it and and follow through with it and, and actually die. And so, We know that this is a serious problem in the United States of America. And, you know, one of the things about suicide statistics, though, that I think we need to pay attention to is that 93% of adults in the United States believe that suicide can be prevented.
1: It can be, yeah.
0: Yeah, most people believe that. You know, 93% say it can be prevented, that we can do more to stop this. And, And I know that even today I read that with people in your age bracket, teenagers, that it's, it's one of the fourth leading causes of death in our nation right now is students and adolescents that are taking their lives. And I just want to, it's a broad question for you, but I want to just give you a chance to respond, but what can we do? We believe this 93% of us that we can help this and we can stop this. What can we do as people? What is the solution?
1: I believe like if you know somebody who's dealing with suicide, I believe you should talk to them face-to-face. That's what is really important. And even my own personal life, just having those face-to-face conversations, it's very important and it's very vital. People think, okay, if I talk about suicide with this person, you know, it's gonna do harm, but you're actually doing good for them because you're helping them with those emotions because they have somebody to talk to and to confide in. So I just recommend right. doing face-to-face and just showing love to one another. There's so yeah, much hate.
0: Absolutely. Well, and let's take it back a smidge there with your your thought. Face-to-face conversations in the sense of actually finding out how people are really doing, right? Yes. Not yes. how they're doing on Instagram or,
1: exactly. <laughs> or on yes. Facebook.
0: But yeah, but how are they really doing? And I think a lot of times we... We talk to people and we ask them how they're doing, but we don't really want the answer. Right. It's just part of the conversation, you know.
1: Like how are you doing? But I think here? that's a
0: very powerful. Yeah. Like how you know, yeah. oh, I'm fine. I'm doing okay. I mean, it's been a busy week and we have these really casual, shallow answers, but we need to really invest in people to find out how they're really doing. So, for example, your, your situation, you said you didn't tell anybody about how you were feeling, not your parents not your friends, not a counselor, what would have gotten those feelings out of you? What kind of conversation would have maybe pulled those out of you so you could have told somebody?
1: If somebody came to me like and really asked, like, Shannon, how are you really feeling? Then I think I really would have unleashed everything. Just having that simple question, like, how are you really doing? Then I would have probably responded. Wow. That's all I needed. Mm. And a hug. Wow. <laughs> yes.
0: Oh, man. That's good. I mean, and y- did you ever
1: Did you ever want someone to ask? I did. But then I felt like, okay, yeah. I didn't have anyone actually to ask me because the people who were around me were the main cause of why I wanted to commit suicide, except my parents, of course, mm. but the people around sure. me in school. So, I had really had no one. And then the teachers weren't a huge help either, so I couldn't talk to them. So...
0: So you said two things. Number one, we're going to ask people how they're really doing. And the second thing you said was that we want to just show love to everybody. And I just, goodness gracious, our world is so divided right now.
1: It is. And
0: and just, there's so much anger and just so much hate and people are able to, you know, just express that hate through social media and through texting or whatever it might be. But the dial is turned up so high right now. And People just don't understand that their words really do bring destruction. It does. And yeah, I mean, and people call us names, they make fun of us, they say something bad about us. It it stays with us for a really, really long time. Our words have the ability to build and destroy. And and I think that you saw that, you know, as you know, those years when you were really crumbling inside and what are what are some things that in that time that you were you felt the, the the walls of depression and and hopelessness closing around you? What are some things you did to distract yourself and maybe cope?
1: I used music, but it was depressing songs mm. actually and depressing artists, and I thought it was actually helping me, but it was doing more harm than good. And instead mm. of that. I went to just talking to God every day on a daily basis and just telling him how I felt and how much I was hurting, you know, giving him my pain, but I was still attached to the Mm. things of the world, trying to follow what the other kids were doing under peer pressure, thinking that I would be accepted, but it didn't end up working out.
0: (laughs) Sure. Sure. So let's talk about the music part. I mean, when I walking down the halls at a school, Um, everybody's got earbuds in yes you know they've got one in their ear going to class sitting in class I mean I see the same thing with adults I mean obviously music is a huge part of our culture what you said you were drawn to music that that kind of you know met that emotional emotional need that you were feeling at that time yes it was and what did it did it feel like it was helping at the time but it was really hurting can you describe that for us
1: Yes. It, it felt like it was really helping me. I thought it would be the solution. And I did feel comfort at first, but it was temporary because all I was constantly hearing was, I'm depressed and I'm suicidal, different things like that. And I was feeding my spirit with it. And I started to feel even more depressed. So it wasn't a big help at all. You have to really be careful what you allow in your ear gates because you allow yourself to think it like it, it, it affects your perspective as well.
0: Right. Isn't that a kind of a weird human characteristic that when we're sad, we want to listen to sad music? Yes, yes. <laughs> and, and when we're happy, we want to listen to happy music. You would think it would, you know, maybe Be the other if way we're around. We yeah. want to listen to music that, yeah, that would uplift us, but sometimes we just don't. Yeah, you would think that, but we often don't have a lot of common sense about things like that. And I've, I'm telling you that from my own personal experience. So, so music. What do you what do you say to a, a young man your age or a young girl your age that just says, "Well, I just like the way it sounds, or I like the beat, and I don't really care about the words"? Do you think that that's true?
1: No, because the words have a huge effect on you. It's like I I love beats too, and I love music. Mm. It's like a I love beats, and I I love I just love music. But right, you have to really be careful what you allow into your ear gates. It's so important because you start to think it like if you keep feeding yourself with it you start to believe it it's like the same with affirmations or what you watch or what you speak of yourself you start to believe it because it's continuously being played
0: yeah well it's i hope that everybody's listening to this really heard what you just said because you have to be careful yes what you allow in your ears and it's not just music it's life it's words and and just like the, the Bible t- teaches us that our, our words have power and right. we're going to be held accountable for the words that we say someday and that God built the world with words. And, and and the same thing with our life is true, that the words that we say, the words around us, the words we're listening to, they build our lives as well. Anything else you want to say about music? I think that's just a big topic. Anything else about that, that you think a parent or a, a young person listening to this would well, want yeah. to hear from you?
1: Yeah, just like I said, I, I suggest just being careful with what you listen to. It's it's important. But not only that, but also what you watch on TV where you're feeding yourself. It's very important. It's like okay, yeah. it's like feeding mm-hmm. yourself a bunch of junk food. It's gonna and you know, it's gonna affect you in the long run, you know, eating a bunch of junk food every single day. So it's the same with music. You're feeding yourself with it constantly and you mm-hmm. think it's helping you at first and it might feel yeah. good at one point of time. But later on, it's not good for you.
0: Yeah. Like you said, you do a bunch of junk food. Eventually, it's your clothes are going to be tight. <laughs> that's the way exactly. it goes. Exactly, yeah. You know, I mean, it, it may not feel like it in the moment, but eventually it's going to show itself. And so is there a line to be drawn there with music? I mean, does it have to be Christian music or does it does it need to just be something that's positive or – any line that you have, like a standard that you have for that in your life?
1: Well, I like to just listen to positive music. And I like Christian music too, like different Christian pop songs too as well. Because I still like that beat in there. You know, I'm I'm not an old school type of listener. You know, I like new school and pop and everything. So it just depends. It can be something positive, something uplifting.
0: Well, and, and I think too, just... I try to stay I really do. I try to stay in the loop on music because I love music. And I just when I listen to some of the lyrics of things that are really popular right now, they're super degrading to women a lot of times. They're you know, they're yes. hyper sexual, obviously. That those are things that sell and people are drawn exactly. to the yeah, drawn to those things. Just disrespect language, um, to me, you know, racist things that are being said too. And I, I think it's just such a powerful part of our conversation to really pay attention to what you're having in coming into your ears and what you're yes. watching. Um I and I appreciate your honesty on that. And I don't think that we we can't live in a bubble, you know. And
1: exactly. <laughs> you know, we're yes. Gonna,
0: we're going to hear things and we're <laughs> going to see things that we have no control over sometimes and we don't need to feel like we have to somehow be the moral police on that and calling people out on that. And uh, that's not what I want right. this to be about. But I, I do think we have to take personal responsibility for what we listen to. So the other thing that you mentioned is that you, you attached yourselves to things of this world to cope. And that was, you know, basically trying to fit in with the crowd. Can you take us through that?
1: Well, yes. Yeah, like if I see – somebody in my classroom doing something, I'm like, okay, let me do it too. And maybe they'll accept me. But I tried that. It still didn't work out. They're like, okay, you're a goody two shoes and different stuff like that, that 9 year olds say. But I was trying to blend in with them, but I always end up sticking Mm. out. So what what I also did was I used to get the latest apps and follow the latest trends and think that they would accept me, but it never ended up working out.
0: So trying to fit into- a box that you were never made to fit in. Is yes, that correct? That's correct. Yeah. And a lot of times, would you say people would accept you temporarily when you tried to fit in?
1: Maybe for like a temporary amount of time. But then it was like a toxic friendship where they're like, okay, you know, we're done or whatever. And they end up stop talking to me. So they accepted me mm-hmm. for a short period of time when I was doing the things that they liked and what they want to do. But yeah, it was only temporary
0: acceptance of people around us and us trying to fit in it's it's so it's so temporary that's a great word to use just it's always going to dissolve it's always going to run out of gas it's just the way it goes and until we're happy with ourselves we're never going to be happy around anyone else and i'm just i'm just so thankful that in the midst of all that darkness that you were going through on that 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 day in july of 2018 that you you know, for lack of better words, you you live to tell about it because a lot of a lot of young people don't. It, it just takes one more thing to get to that tipping point of saying, "I can't do this anymore." And I've seen it firsthand with with young people I've been around and I've taught. Suicide is a decision or a result of temporary things, and a lot of times people think that if I if I do this, then yes. I'm going to solve all these problems, but it's just a temporary focus. It's a focus on temporary things that will have a permanent effect. And every family that I've worked with as a pastor, the students that I've seen that have taken, you know, their lives, um, the hole and the void that they leave their families and their friends is just, it's massive. It's massive. And the
1: effects are
0: so far reaching and, I think they affect people for, you know, just the, how else do you say? It? I mean, it just it's something you'll never ever, you're never the same after you, you lose someone you love in that way. Exactly. And I've watched this in my own family and, and things are just never the same. And, and so for anybody out there that's hearing this, that you feel these things, just Shannon's advice, and it's beautiful, is just to, you know, to tell someone how you're really doing, you know, and, and to to talk to God and yes. uh, and find your worth and realize that what you are considering is a permanent thing and you can't take it back. But everybody that loves you and that's here, they're going to feel the effects of that. I want to just maybe see you know after you have the this moment with your mom in your bedroom, talk talk to me about and and tell us about how this affected your relationship with your family going forward and um, did it strengthen your relationship with your family and your close, your close loved ones? And what did that look like?
1: It did. I believe we got even closer. Um, Yeah. I feel like I can talk to her about anything now with no hesitation, no holding back. She's like my best friend. So I can go to her whenever I need to, because she left that open line of communication for us to talk whenever we need to. And yeah, so we're closer.
0: Well, and that's the thing when you when you go through painful things with people that love you, it the result is is that it it just deepens your relationship with them. And so, and so, my my question now for you is: I'm this is my dad question if that's okay? Okay. <laughs> um, you know, I have a fourteen year old daughter. I've got a seven year old daughter. My son's two. He thinks he's thirteen, <laughs> but. Um, <laughs> but what is your advice to parents what what would you say to them to really make sure that their kids are okay like that they're really okay
1: well i would say take time out of your day just to have face to face conversations that's just always important face to face conversations just setting aside everything that you need to do and then just take at least like a good 30 minutes or something talking to your child that's a mm. good that's a good way to start just leaving that open line of communication where they're like, okay, I can trust my parent and I can tell them everything that I'm going through.
0: Yeah. That's good. Why do you think that, why do you think we're so afraid to do that sometimes as parents? What What do you think it is parents? I know sometimes I don't feel comfortable saying really, Hey, let's sit down and have a 30 minute conversation. You know, <laughs> I, I, I feel like I'm annoying my daughters and when I want to talk to them and find out how they're really doing or how their day went. But how do we get past that? Like what, what, what do you think the block is there that we need to get through?
1: I believe that you could, you should just work past that and just talk to them because it can be hard. I mean, I understand, but like, just talk to mm-hmm. them. Cause sometimes what we need is a parent's love and you have to look past that. Like, you know, Even though they might be like, "Oh no, mom, stop!" You know, we don't need to talk. And then let me go in my room and whatever. No, you know, just talk to them and show them that you love them because we need you guys the most.
0: Oh, that's good. You just made me feel really special as a dad. So thank you for that, Shannon. You're welcome. Well, and I and I love it because you know what you just said is really good. Like we just need to do it. Yes. It's it's not it's not complicated. We make it complicated. I. I make these excuses about well that she doesn't want to talk to me or they don't want to talk to me, but they probably deep down really do. Yes. And they wanna know that they can express how their day went or what they're going through. And so I just think to all the parents out there, we just all have to do a better job of just really trying to find out what our kids are really feeling. And I know I have a lot of friends that are parents and and they they talk about how they're you know they're they know exactly what their kids are doing on their phone and and where they're at with their apps and where they're you know driving around the, t- the town and they know all these things about where their kids are and I think that that makes us feel secure when we can see what they've done online or if they made it to work on time. but that technology sometimes maybe gives us a little false sense of security that we don't talk to them about things that really matter right. We might know where they're located but we don't know where their heart's at. And so we have to, as you know, I, I've said before in one of my previous shows, is that we want to parent the heart of our kids and really not try to control their behavior or micromanage them, but actually parent their heart. And I think when we're parenting their heart, we can really find out what's going on inside. Yes. Any thoughts on that at all, Shannon?
1: You've, you said everything well. I'm in agreement with it. Well, thank you. Yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate that. I, I think, and again, I, I'm just expressing my thoughts here as a teacher and as a dad, as a, as a coach. I really believe that social media is one of the greatest downfalls of teens right now. It what is. do you think about that?
1: It is because you see a lot of people with like their picture perfect lives, painting a pretty picture, but behind that they're empty. Even though it seems like they have everything, they're empty inside, but mm. they're betraying a perfect picture. And then somebody else, a teen could be like, oh, I want to be just like such and such. I want to do what they're doing. And mm. I I want that, but they're really empty inside as well. And it's like, okay, you're looking at the right. wrong example. So it's a negative and positive side to social media.
0: What, what What's the positive of it?
1: Well, the positive is what we're doing now, we're able to reach out to people through social media, through podcasting, or just talking to them through outreach. It's many mm-hmm. positives like that.
0: Right. So just we make it as positive as we want it to be, right? Yes. <laughs> and obviously, we could talk for an hour about the negative things. And what do you think social media is in this, at the soul level of young people is doing when it's not used the right way.
1: Well, I just, some of them are just lost because they're following everything and there is peer pressure too as well. That still falls in with it because you're looking at everything that everyone's doing, the latest trend. So let me do it too. Let me hop on that trend. Let me do this. Um, Let me do Mm. this dance and do what everyone else is doing. And you just follow You know, basically what everyone's doing, and not setting setting yourself apart. So it messes with you mentally because you're like, okay, let me follow everything that everyone is doing, and not be individual, and not be an individual, and be myself.
0: That is really well said. I we're 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 following, right? Yes. Like that's what we do. We when you look at someone's Instagram, it says you have you're following this many people. The same thing on Twitter, and we're. There's just a spirit of comparison. It is. Do you, th- do you think it's different? Yeah. Do you think it's different for for girls and for boys as far as you know that comparative spirit that's out there on social media?
1: Well, it can be for both, but I think it's towards girls too as well because you're looking at everybody, all the what the girls are doing and how they look, and oh wow, their hair is so long. Or they look like this and they look like that, and then you're like, okay, well, I want to look like that too, and. I don't. I I'm not perfect. <laughs> yeah. If I don't look like that, you know. So, but also, guys could be affected mm. by it too.
0: Yeah, there's no doubt. Yeah, it's not like guys are off the hook here. But I just think that. Right. <laughs> I just think that girls, <laughs> you know, and and raising one right now, and and even my wife. I mean, there is, you know, there's just sometimes that looking at others and thinking I'm not measuring up to them, and 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 social media certainly puts all that out right in front of us. And do you think there's a a proper age that a young person should have a social media account, whether it's Snapchat or Instagram, do you, do you think there's an age threshold that's wise for parents or w- what do you think?
1: I mean, every child is different and maturity levels are different. So mm-hmm. it really depends on your child, but sometimes the usual age is like 13, but it depends on their um, how mature they are in their mental state and if your child can handle it or not.
0: Well, we have some decisions to make with our family soon too about that. This is something we've kind of stayed away from, but I I know sometimes as a dad, I I just feel like, well, my daughter doesn't have social media. So I I feel like I'm like, I'm like the fuddy duddy dad, you know, like, (laughs) like I'm keeping her from something that she really wants to do. And, um, but you're right. I mean, I, I think it's, you have to just look at your kid and think, can they handle that? Right. Uh, Because it really does just take one negative comment about a picture you post or maybe you don't get enough likes that you thought you should get. And then it just sends you to this emotional spiral. It does. And I've just seen it so many times just in the classroom and in the hallways of school. And it's a real, a real thing where people's validation is coming from the likes and the clicks and the follows and all the all the things that go with that. Any other advice or wisdom you want to offer us as a 15-year-old girl about social media?
1: Well, I would just say be you because it, it can be hard sometimes because sometimes you want to do mm. what everyone else is doing, but be you. Stand out. Don't be afraid of it. Just go forth and be yourself.
0: That's really good. Don't be... Someone that you're not, and and I I think that social media has just put people in a spot where I want to be like that person, and that doesn't stop. I mean, I'm an old forty two year old forty two year old man, <laughs> and that stuff does not stop. I, I love Facebook; it's a huge part of my my life with church and even with this podcast, getting the word out about it. But even at my age, you have to be careful of not looking at other pastors or other podcasters or even other people that I'm just friends with and thinking, oh, I wish I had what they have, or I wish I was like them. I mean, we can all fall into that trap, whether we're a 15-year-old girl or a 42-year-old man um, like myself. Um, So I think that it's really important that we talk just for a moment about you know, you keep talking about this idea of communing and communicating with God and having this prayer life that God really used to bring you out of that dark place, even your mom praying over you. And so tell us about what it looks like to talk to God for Shannon and how that impacts your life and and maybe even advice to other people young people your age about prayer and and how they can go about that.
1: I always just look at God as my best friend because he really is. Mm. Like as soon as I wake up in the morning, I'm like, hi, God, you know, how are you? <laughs> you know, I just love to talk to him. That's yes. good. I like that. Um, I talk to him throughout the whole entire day. And then the day after that and the day after that, it's just, is second nature to me because all I do is just talk to him. Just look at him as your best friend. And I also mm. said this before, like talking on the phone. Talking on the phone with your best friend, never hanging up with them, but just staying mm-hmm. on the phone with them and talking with them. That's how you can start.
0: That's great. What? How do you? You know, communication is about not just talking, but it's also about listening. How do you listen to God? How do you hear God?
1: Well, I just have my silent moments where I just meditate on them, and even just mm. playing the Word and just meditating on it until I hear something from them.
0: When you say playing the Word, like you, you listen to the scriptures like out loud is that what you mean by that
1: yes i listen to the scriptures or i play soothing music in the background like worship music and that's mm. how i listen
0: i love it wake up in the morning and say hi god it's me i'm alive i'm awake you're well you're you're welcome god yes. i'm here that's good stuff <laughs> i like that though i mean yes. it's a, it's a it's an incredible perspective to have i think a lot of times we think our prayer life has to be so stuffy and So just formal and we can talk to God as if he's sitting in the room with us. And I do believe that if we're going to have a relationship with God, we have to be able to talk to him, but we also have to be able to listen to him and be silent before him and let him speak to our heart. But I I do believe that one of the things that, especially people that are your age, a lot of times there's just not a love for the word of God. And I know you said you, you listen to the word of God. And do you have any daily habits with reading at all and, and d- devotional or journaling or any habits that are helping you grow spiritually that you can share with us?
1: Well, I do like to read as well, like reading the word. Mm. But then also, I just like to listen to it and play it in my earbuds, like while I'm doing schoolwork or something. Right. And that's how I basically do it. Or sometimes I do go into journaling, or I even just like to make things with graphic design while I do things.
0: Well, and we're so blessed today to have all the technology we have, right? And just to be able to listen, yeah, just to listen to the Word of God and hear it immediately in our ears and different translations. and, And so it's not a matter of whether we have the resources to do it, but it's just whether we want to or not. And is there any advice that you could give anybody your age about getting into the word of God that you would just tell a friend right now that says, well, I don't really, I don't really understand the Bible and I don't really, it's not really a part of my life, but what would you give it? You know, what advice would you give a friend that said that to you?
1: Well, you can start off with watching videos, actually like biblical videos that can help you start off. Mm -hmm. It's something I watch called the Bible project. It's very informative and quick and It's easy. It makes it easier for you to learn the Bible. It breaks it down for you. So I suggest using videos and then just listening to it. Start off by listening to it and then read it yourself.
0: That's good. You said the Bible project. The Bible project. Okay, I can. Awesome. I can find that and link to that. I'll link to that in the show notes so people can can go and uh, check that out because I that does. Video is a we're very. This is a very visual generation. It (laughs)
1: is,
0: (laughs) and. You know, to see, yeah, to see video of things like that, I think that's, I think you're right on the money with that and and expressing that. So a couple final things that I want to just bring um, up with you um, that I think are important. I think that I have a passion for leadership. It's one of the reasons I've started this podcast and and I I hear your voice and I've I've read your story. I've, I've watched your story. What about your life has changed? What has made you the leader that you are today, even at a young age? Because I don't feel like you're a follower in that sense. You're not easily influenced as much as you used to be. What What does it take to be a leader at your age?
1: Well, I my answer for this is actually God, 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 because he helped me really build up mm. into where I am now. Even what I've been through, it really helped build me up for such a time as this. And I actually thought, like, I'm too young. Mm. I don't need to be doing this. You know, I can just do what other kids are doing and I'm not going to speak at a young age. I don't want to do it. But then God's like, You're not too young. You know, go forth, go and do it. And I'm like, Okay, I'll do it. And then I also released the Outcasts and that's how I really started my ministry and what I'm doing.
0: Well, I talk to young people that go to high school right now and young Christian people that are in my church. And, you know, they talk about how they feel like they're in the minority as being a Christian, that they are, you know, definitely outside of the mainstream of what their classmates are doing or what they're up to. And they say it's really hard. It's hard to, to be different and it is to go against the flow and not fall into all of those things. And Um, what, what life could you speak to those today that are feeling the weight of that and feeling like they're, that they're not able to, um, they're around all these different things that are going on that are not Christian or they're not godly and they want to stay on that path. And maybe they're just, they're weary and they're tired. And sometimes it might feel easier just to give in and just go the way of everybody else. And what, what would you say to them?
1: I understand. It really can't it is hard sometimes because I'm like, okay, well I see everybody else doing this and it does seem fun, but in the long term is I mean the short it will be short amount of time where it's actually fun. It's not gonna be fun later on. You know, you're gonna regret it later on. And I did too when I was falling into that. But my advice to you is really just to stay on course and just to stay feeding yourself with the word as well, because that helps you stay built up and that helps you stay grounded. And even just talking to someone like your pastor or someone to really help you be uplifted, because I'm sure they understand as well and they can help you because they've been in the same place you have been and probably still experience it now. So that's what I recommend, or just talking to someone who can help you.
0: Yeah. Well, and I just think it's worth really focusing in on what you just said about all those things that are going on around these students in high school and middle school, it's all temporary stuff and the joy of it. And yeah, the joy of it and the immediate satisfaction, it's just going to wear off so quickly. And so we just have to have a, a long-term mindset about things. So you mentioned just a minute ago about a video that you made and that video played at the beginning of this episode, the audio to it, it's called The Outcast. And obviously we've gotten into your story a lot, but this is the type of video connection that you can make with people that really can stick with them and make a difference. And so what is the heart behind The Outcast video that you made that's on your YouTube channel?
1: Well, this The Outcast has been on my mind for a long time, like a year before I released it. But I love, like Jonah, you know how he was like scared to go out to Nineveh and touch the people. Well, I was the same. I wanted to stay in my shell and not release it out. But it was really God who helped me go forth because I'm like, okay, I'm too young. I don't need to be releasing my story. I can keep it to myself. But it's like, why keep it to yourself? You could help someone else by releasing it out there. So I'm like, okay, I'll do it.
0: Mm.
1: And that's what really got me to release the video.
0: Being obedient is hard sometimes, isn't it?
1: It is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. You
0: put yourself out there with honesty like you do, and you tell people what you feel and what you're going through and what you come out of. And putting yourself in that vulnerable spot is tough, but when you're obedient, God really does bless it. And, and we've put that video link in our, our show notes, and so people can go and check that out and watch it. It's just a little over three minutes long, but it is very powerful spoken word by you with incredible visuals, very very artistic and something you should really be proud of, Shannon. It's really good stuff. Very thankful Thank for Thank you. It. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, let's uh, let's wrap this up together and just tell us a little bit about your future. Um, obviously you're extremely focused and and when you please when you get famous someday, don't forget about little old me, okay? All right. I won't. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I mean, you've got uh you've got a future, a bright future that's focused and you have a purpose and your eyes are on some some things down the road and you want to tell us about what those might be.
1: Well, I want to go into like speaking into high schools or just going out there all over the world just touching different youth and even people older, any age group, honestly. And I also mm. want to go into the music industry because it has touched me so much where I'm like, okay, I want to release my own music and wherever, wherever else God wants to lead me, I'll go.
0: Wow. That's good. It's uh, really refreshing to hear someone your age say those types of things. I, and I don't say this lightly at all, but the work that you're doing, and even on this show right now, you're, you're saving people's lives. And the potential is r- truly there that your words, your testimony, your story is, is life-saving. And I know God's going to continue to to use that. Thank you. Absolutely. I want to finish with a quote that I heard you say. I think it's a great way to, to just pull this all together for us. But you say something along the lines of your Your growing moments take you to your glowing moments. And I'll say that one more time. Your growing moments take you into your glowing moments. Yes. What does that mean for us?
1: Like, even though you're, whatever you're going through, whenever you're dealing with, it's all for a reason. And it's all for a purpose to take you into what God has called you to go to. It's all for a reason.
0: Well, Shannon, is there anything else that you'd like to say to our audience tonight at all? Anything that you feel like you want to clear up or add to that you feel led to say?
1: Yes. Well, I want to say to those that are listening that that you are loved, you are chosen, and you're important whether whether you believe it or not. And there is a God that loves you more than anyone else in this world could. Mm. And He placed a purpose inside of you, no matter how old or how young you are. I encourage you to walk in that purpose and calling of your life. It will be challenges, it will be things you have to face, but as long as you have God by your side, walking with you, you can do all things through him, no matter what anyone says.
0: What a great way to finish it. Outstanding. Shannon, thank you so much for your honesty and your time. I just, I just truly cannot wait for young people to hear your story. Parents, teachers, coaches, I know that God's going to really use our conversation tonight. So thank you again for your time. And God bless you.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: What a special time that was with Shannon Monet. I know she would love to connect with you. And so go to shannonmonet.com. You can also give her a follow on Instagram where she has a very strong presence there. She posts almost daily. And I know everything you see there will be very encouraging to you and your family. She's on Facebook and Twitter. And I also know that she would love you to follow her and subscribe to her YouTube channel. So please be sure to check that out. And here's my final ask of you, the audience. Is there a teenager that needs to hear Shannon's story today? It might be your grandson or your daughter, or maybe an athlete that you coach or a student that you teach. If there's a teen in your life that could benefit from her story, you might be able to change their life with one click. Share this with them through Spotify or Apple. I know it could make a big difference for them. Well, as always, it's just been an honor to be a small part of your life, and I just cannot wait until we're together again, where it's going to be my joy to help you lead with love so you will love to lead. Thank you for listening to Life and Leadership with Daniel Kitchell. We hope that you're with us again next time as we connect life and leadership today so that you can flourish tomorrow.